Hello and welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua David Stein, joined by my co-host, Postel Pringle. Today's guest is a personal hero of mine. His name is Jeff Gordonier. He's a writer and editor. He has a new book out about a chef named Rene Redzepi, the best chef in the world. But we're not really here to talk about his professional accomplishments, although they are impressive. We're here to talk about the balance between his professional life and his personal life. His professional life has been glittering and meteoric. His personal life has been, like for the rest of us, a mixed bag. Although he's in a great place now. And um, the thing is, even if you don't care about food, which is what Jeff writes about mostly, I think you'll want to listen because the struggles he faces about balancing professional ambition and personal obligation are universal. I know that I struggle with that every single day. Anyway, stay tuned. Welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, I want to introduce our guest, uh, Jeff Gordonier. Gordonier. He's very close. How do you say it? Just think of Jeff Gordon, the race car driver, plus an ear. Gordonier. Jeff Gordonier. It was okay. French centuries ago, but we lost that. Now it's moved uh, more NASCAR. It, what is it now? If it's not French. It's New Jersey. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, Jeff has been one of my favorite writers since I came to the city. I think you were really? working yeah, the New York Times uh, in their food. You missed all the years before that? I was a, <laughs> I was a baby. I was a little kid in the suburbs. Um, Jeff is, uh, I think, one of the most talented food writers out there. Has been for a while. California native. Now lives... New Jersey's my dad's family. New Jersey's. Yeah, I'm sorry, just to clarify there. Um, you have a new book coming out called Hungry. Subtitle goes here. Hungry. Eating, road tripping, and risking it all with the greatest chef in the world. Who is? Um, oh, Rene Redzepi of Noma. Okay. So we're going to talk about the book, um, but, oh, you're, you're also the uh, food and drinks editor for Esquire. Yeah. That's right. So yeah. you travel or have traveled, you're responsible for the best restaurants in America. I travel a lot. I travel for our best bars issue, which we're in the midst of researching now. I travel for best new restaurants. I travel for a column that I do and profiles. And then also for freelance articles for other magazines like, like you do. So I'm on the road a lot. Recently, not so much, but generally quite a bit. So um, you're not on just for me to like, fanboy at uh although that'll be part of it i guess but also you just had uh I don't know, do you call it a second family you had your you are the father of twins it's just an like, ongoing family it's ongoing family yeah. so you have growing family <laughs> growing yeah. family mixed family though i mean you yeah it's mixed you yeah. were married and you had uh two kids a boy and a girl who yes. are now teenagers yes and recently you got remarried mm -hmm. and had Two twins. Yeah. Two twins. twins. Yeah. Yeah. Two. Yeah. Two, two. Yeah. I was about to say two pairs of twins, or yeah. just like yeah. 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 Twins. Generally, by twins, it it implies two. Yeah. yeah. I have a twin set. Yeah. I, twin I, set. I, I, I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. That's all. That's almost uh, uh, what's the word uh, that I'm looking for? Like um, redundant. Yes. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I have four children. Yeah. yeah. Margot is 16. Toby is 13, and the twins are nearing 10 months. Um, so as a, as a friend of mine from college put it, it's sort of like I just got released from prison, steps outside <laughs> of the gates, 
and stole a car. Yeah, which I think. <laughs> and went right back in. <laughs> you, you went out. You went out. Yeah, you went out and got the band back together. Yeah, just <laughs> right back I in. I miss not sleeping. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, I, I. I miss the tension. You know, the endless stress, the endless demands. I want. I want back in. Yeah. So, well, congratulations. Thank you. In fact, this is. I almost forgot that I had to do this podcast because the, my wife what? Lauren. Yeah, was on the road. From Wednesday to Sunday evening, so uh, particularly over the weekend, it, it was I was the only one in charge of all four kids, making a lot of meals, yeah. oh, cleaning okay. a lot of dishes. So yeah, all, all, the, all four kids live with you. Um, the older kids live with their mom sometimes okay. and live with me sometimes, as is customary. And um, their mom basically lives next door. Oh, word! So nice. they just kind of walk back and forth. And um, so here's my question: Yeah, are they helpful? Oh, this is, a, this is a central question. Thank you for that. Toby, <laughs> my 13-year-old, yes. is extremely helpful. Great. And actually, one of the few signals I've had that I may be doing okay as a father is that my son, Toby, will text me or text Lauren, my, my wife, and say, can I just come hug the baby? Oh. He will actually do that almost on That's a daily basis. Sweet. He just wants to come over from next door, spend 15 minutes with them, eat all of the cookies in the house, eat all the ice cream in the house, you know, the, maybe part of it, and then go back. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's extremely helpful, and when it comes to bath time or, or you know, feeding twins, it's useful just to have backup. Uh -huh. It's useful to have someone to hold one of them. You yeah, know. don't I know it? I feel like Do you it's... have twins? Uh, no, I don't have twins, oh. but I have, I, have, uh, I have two kids. Oh, yeah. How yeah. old are they? F six and two. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so yeah. the, so the, the two-year-old effectively is the one who's like the head of the household. <laughs> I yeah. walked in the other day on Achilles, my older son helping Augie, my younger son, read. And that was like the highlight of, that's been the highlight of my last yeah. like two months of living. The thing about twins is if you think you can fall back as a guy, if you think you can sort of wriggle out of things, fall back on gender stereotypes... <laughs> Forget I, it. Like, yeah. you can't, somebody else to hold the other one. You know, right, like, yeah. if, if Lauren is holding Jasper, I have to hold Wesley. Vice versa. Like, so you do everything, you know. And, yeah. and, I, and I, Lauren is on the road a lot and works in the city, and I'm often the one writing at home. So I find that I'm doing a whole lot of tasks. I mean, I'm the guy taking the older kids to the orthodontist, to basketball practice, to a piano recital, to, you know, making their dinner. And then all the stuff with the babies feeding and bathing. So anyway. I, I feel like um, I had, had I had a similar, although less stellar, career path than you. Like I was doing a lot of food writing. I was a restaurant critic for a long time. I did luxury travel, so I was constantly on the road having, you know, rose petal massages. You and, were? <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like you were doing it better than I was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I did do luxury travel for a long time. Um <laughs> And something I found, you know, obviously I'm separated from my wife and we're heading to divorce. Um, that was like pretty alienating in my family dynamic. The travel. Not only the travel, but especially when we had Achilles, when it was mm. even before kids, but especially when we had kids where I would say, oh yeah, I have to go do, I have to go on this trip for work. Where are you going? Oh, to Marrakesh to go to these different yeah. Riyads and, yeah. you know. Or why can't you help out tonight? Oh, well, I'm going to fill in the hotspot restaurant that I'm reviewing. So while it was work, it was also just being coddled and treated, you know, in the lap of luxury. And that mm. really drove a wedge in 
to my relationship. Mm-hmm. And I wonder for you, you were doing something similar. Was that the experience? How did that affect your family dynamic? I think that's a very profound question. I mean, I've traveled for my career for, for decades now, also at Details Magazine and Entertainment Weekly before that, during the time I was at the New York Times. And I, I've come to think a, a realization that emerged in part through writing this book, Hungry, was that I, I'm an escapist, that escapism is pretty much my belief system, and that I've used escapism as a form of self-medication for years now. Uh, I don't really drink that much. Um, I don't do anything else. I mean, I think just getting on the fucking road makes me feel better, and uh, and yet not because of that alienating component you talk about. Like, then you come home, and it's so jarring. Yeah. Like, the... the the stark contrast between not just the luxury of being on the road, but the independence, you know, reading a book. Um, Waking up when you want to. I mean, yeah. what, what, not knowing what bliss. Where. What bliss. <laughs> yeah, no, like, for you real. Know, like, like yeah. even just I was in Philadelphia for this conference that you were at, JDS, and, and you know, I, I stayed in the hotel one extra night. Just right. <laughs> and, and I did actually do a lot of writing at that point. And I went out to a bar that I needed to check out for Esquire, but I also just wanted to sleep a yeah. little later and get like a ten thirty train back to New York, you know. Because at that point, what can I do in the morning? I can't really help. Um, I think that you come up with all sorts of kind of answers that help you sleep at night. Help you sleep at night <laughs> and help you wangle out of the work, really. You yeah. know. And mm-hmm. I think I've, I'm a much different father now, and I have a much different relationship to the to the travel. I'm also just older. I'm 52, and the travel starts to wear on your body pretty hard after a while. Um, so uh, you said you're a much different father, exceptionally different. I'm just so like I mean this this weekend is a good example. I um I've learned with four children in the house that it is a fool's errand to think that you can answer emails. It's, oh, yeah. it's yeah. absurd to think you're yeah. going to get any writing yeah. done. It's ridiculous to think you're going to finally catch up with you know, Black Klansman or, or you know, uh, The Wife or some film you've been wanting. I mean, it's not going to happen. So the the sheer surrender of that has liberated me. Mm-hmm. It's freed me. I found in the weekends I just turn the laptop, laptop off, turn off the phone for the most part, other than Instagram storying some of the cute pictures of the twins. Yeah. And um, I'm much more actively present and uh, in a way that I was not. I, I dare say I'm sorry to say that I was not when when Margot and Toby were younger um I mean I was present but my mind was always you know it was like that that Buddhist idea of the mind bouncing around that's that's what I had and now I find that I can the the tasks are so monumental (laughs) of doing all these meals all weekend all the cleaning you know all, all the checking the homework all the diapers all the baths everything that it's like I just give in yeah, and it's preach. it's kind of freeing it's kind of like okay this is what I wish I knew before fatherhood is better when you just stop trying to be you know three other people yeah I think that that's a huge that's a huge aspect of it when you were talking about um, the escapism I think that hits home too because I found what was so difficult was that adjustment of being you know when you're in the media especially when you're doing like um, uh, 
press to a press <clears throat> junket or something like that you're being catered to and you know you as a food writer like you're catered to you're treated like you're super important yeah. all this stuff then you walk back into your home and you are like the villain a little bit like you've been gone you yeah. want to talk about how amazing your experience was and your partner's just like, dude, I've been up for like 48 yeah, hours and I'm turn. covered in shit. Your yeah, turn. And you're like, yeah. wait, but tell, I'll, let, I'll tell you about this. Like Coco Vang. It was like amazing. Yeah, right. Yeah. No one wants to hear no about one cares. the Coco yeah. Vang. But then <laughs> in, internally you have to like um, readjust real quick from being like, people give a shit about me to like, no one gives a shit about me. I'm here for other people. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, no, no. I was just going to say that... Um, <clears throat> For some reason, this reminds me of a like a, a, a television interview that I saw with Mike Tomlin, the um, the uh, coach of the, of the of the Steelers, right? And where he, <clears throat> it was just just nice, like sort of like um, personal family piece or something like that, where he did he they were talking to him and his wife at separate times, mm. and uh, and he was talking about how when he is out on the road, well, just during the the football season, which is pretty much like I mean that's not just the football season; it's pretty much like you know, 10 months out of the year or something like that. And then there's two months out of the year where he's just like at home and he, you know, but when he is there doing his thing and, you know, for the Steelers, obviously he's the man, everything yeah. revolves around what he says, mm. right? Everything, everything. Mm. And, um, uh, you know, he's out on the road, he comes back. And even when he's at home, even when he's at home, everything stops for what he does. So then when the football season is finally over, everything stops. Mm -hmm. He'll come back in and then try to assert his sort of uh, his his really Premises. his his, re his relevance yeah. more than anything, <laughs> like his relevance, his actual relevance in his home <laughs> and not understanding that like his wife and, and his and his girls and his family have been operating like yeah. without him smoothly in fact in selling without him all this yeah. time he's and like he, a disruption I yeah mean, I think exactly I, exactly and he has to like uh, make that adjustment power has yeah. been usurped yeah 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 <laughs> but that's the thing is that a, a home is a living organism and it does adapt whether you like it or not i mean i feel like that is such an ego a blow to an ego especially like a nfl coach or whatever yeah to realize that actually people are doing fine without you you're not that you are important, but you're as important as you make yourself in the situation, you know? And mm. I think when I was traveling all the time, um, I also had a really hard time coming back into the family dynamic mm. and wanting to be the guy my kids came to and wanted to have like a seamless relationship with them. Uh. But it was strained and weird because, and not even just traveling, like when I was yeah. a restaurant critic- But kind of because you hadn't done that work. Because I hadn't done the work. Yeah. And I wanted all the payoff without the work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, one reason I joined Fatherly as opposed to doing more food stuff was because I realized I'm the kind of guy that will take my work and turn it into my life. Like, I did luxury travel and food because there's no other way that I could afford those experiences. Mm -hmm. And, like, I wanted to get paid. I needed to get paid, and I wanted to do them. And then the reason I did Fatherly is because I was a – not a very good dad and I wanted to be a better dad and if that was my job I could you know I could make it happen yeah yeah, um, yeah. well <clears throat> if I may like um so I travel quite yeah. a bit or I have traveled quite a bit especially in the past I'm actually taking a step back myself mm -hmm. um and it's uh, a very like cognizant um cognizant effort that I'm trying to do but I've traveled a lot as a performer and then also as a playwright a playwright that's part of a collective that writes musicals um and 
it's really funny. Like, you know, I spent all these years, especially when I was just like a poor writer and actor, trying to get to the point where I was like, where somebody desired me to come yeah. to their country. <laughs> yeah. so like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So If you'll so, pay to get me on the plane, I've made it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, well, kind of. Actually, I mean, no, that's, that's always how it felt. Yeah. So, so like, in, you know, in that process, I think I also... Um, uh, maybe a little bit unlike you guys, but I also delayed the process of having kids. So, you know, it got to the point where my lady was like, this is going to happen. Like, you know, we, this is going to happen or it's going to happen with you or it's going to happen without you, but you have to decide that. And it, it, it often felt with like... With you sounds more appealing. Yeah, yeah, I mean, definitely. <laughs> but I mean, I have to say, at times it felt like, like you know, <laughs> like like she'd ply me with some with uh, some bourbon and, and mount me, you know what I mean? Like, to make this thing happen, to make this thing happen. And and then I'd be on a plane like the very next day, but I. Um, Do you feel the, like um, having kids has n- this real talk here has negatively affected your career? Um, <clears throat> you know, no. Actually, at first I did. At first I did. At first I felt like it was uh, consistently um, like uh, hindering my ability to move. You know what I mean? Because because mm-hmm. I naturally felt guilty about about picking up and leaving and, and then there were certain responsibilities that I needed to handle and I think that I was actually running away from those responsibilities or not doing well and certainly not tending to my relationship with my lady I mean we got in a lot of issues but you know I won't detail all that but like please uh, yeah, do yeah. well I mean we I definitely almost messed it up yeah I definitely almost messed it up and um and it took a lot of it took a lot of work it took therapy you know, it took therapy. It took, um, frankly, uh, AA meetings, mm. you know, <laughs> like like it took a lot of stuff for me to actually like check in with myself to then be able to um, to then be able to tend to our relationship, tend to, to her needs, yeah. tend to my son's needs. Um, and that was because that was before my daughter. Um, but essentially, like for a long time, I think I actually would get angry sometimes about about. <clears throat> they're expressing their need for me to be home or just m- their need for my attention. Cause right. there were a lot of things that I could do for them when I was on the road. Um, but that's not what they needed yeah, you do, right. to do. For them. But to really answer your question, like going back now, I feel like having, having kids has done, has done remarkable things for me. Mm. Cause one, it's like, you know, they, I remember, I remember some rapper saying like, once he had kids, it gave him a reason to actually do what he does yeah you know before it was always just the thing that he loved to do and the thing that he was good at and a lot of choices were made for him but then once he had kids he started making the choices right and i feel like the same way i feel a little bit the same way that i feel like as a writer i guess i feel a little bit that i've had to hustle a lot harder because i had kids i wasn't that old i was like 29 but older than i mean younger than a lot of other folks and i've just always had to have a some sort of job and write all the time to support them. So it's like kept me like really active. In some way, I feel like I haven't been able to chase a bigger project because I'm just trying to make rent, trying to make, you know, support the family. But it's like there's been no layoffs. You know, I'm not like a fighter who can fight like once a year. It's like I'm, you know, in the ring every week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things I wanted to ask you, Jeff, is, um, you know, obviously you're divorced and you're remarried. Mm. Um, what? would you say your biggest regret is about balancing family work or just independent of that 
I guess it would have to do with that element of listening and being present. Um, I don't have a lot of regrets. I mean, my first marriage, you know, it ended. Maybe it um, was supposed to. You know, I, I just w went, went on the path that, that seemed right. If you go on that path, you know, as you as you are, it, it's painful no matter what. It's a mess no matter what. It's going to destroy you. I mean, I remember talking to Adam Sachs, fellow food writer, and he's like, divorce is just every day is hell. New kind of hell. Fresh hell every day. And, I mean, I was like, what? No, mine's not. <laughs> I've got a mediator. It's all good. Yeah. It, it comes. The hell comes. And then... Um, I kind of feel like it's like a de the Democratic primary, like, <laughs> or just any primary. Like everyone's trying to be friendly as long as they can, yeah. and you know it's going to get vicious at a certain point. Yeah. But you're just trying, you know, because basically exactly. you're on the same side. Yeah. But <laughs> you know, wow. you try to forestall. That's the... a really good analogy, actually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's very that's that's very true. I mean, I'm fine with the babies now. The thing I know is that Wesley and Jasper will be Toby's age someday and Margot's age someday. I know that. Like. That's the difference between me and Lauren, maybe, is I see the arc more. And um, as a result, I know what to cherish, not to sound s totally sappy, but I know that this moment when Wesley and Jasper sit in their little chairs and we feed them is, is going to go away, you know. Not that long from now. Yeah. They'll be yeah. completely different individuals. So I, I am able to just sit there and be with it more. And I find that extremely gratifying in a way that I didn't before. I was constantly frantic particularly when Margot was a baby. I, I mean, I, it was that curveball asteroid hitting the earth. What the fuck? I can't go to a movie? Like, I mean, the, <laughs> the incredible vanity of a, yeah. a guy in his mid-30s, you know, like incredible narcissism and privilege and just like, I want to go to the bar. It just opened. It's supposed to have amazing cocktails. What the hell are you talking right. about? I can't go. There's 90 yeah. craft beers. I got to try No, that's not me. But, but yeah, yeah no, like, you know what I mean? Like, like bars and movies and yeah, going for a, a walk and like suddenly I couldn't, you know, and that, like now I haven't seen a movie in a theater in a long time. I've... I've just let that pod detach from the spaceship and float yeah. away, you know? I'm fine with books. I'm just determined that at night after everyone's in bed, I read books. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. <laughs> I, I, whatever. This is the uh, period of the podcast where we contemplate the tender brokenheartedness of the world. Because, <laughs> well, oh, I, we're, we're not there yet? <laughs> no, we've been I've there. Been right. doing that yeah, the whole time. Yeah. I'm explicit about it. <laughs> you know, you just, I feel like... My biggest regret when my kids, not to say that would have forestalled what happened in my marriage and life, but mm. it, I can see the damage now that I inflicted, mm. was I was looking at the wrong thing like you. Mm -hmm. I was looking out the window, seeing all the other things go by and neglecting, and all the things that I was missing and neglecting what my family, I was yeah. neglecting mm. my wife, I was mm. not there for my kids. And now I look back on it and I feel like you, I, I feel wiser mm -hmm. in a lot of ways, but that doesn't undo the damage that I've done. And I think for me, I'm um, just resting in the, resting in that knowledge, mm -hmm. trying not to beat myself up too much, which it's hard for me not to feel so yeah. guilty. Yeah. Um, but, but not trying to relieve that guilt by saying I didn't do anything wrong. You know, because that's not the answer either, but just aware now of how precious these things are, how precious the time I have with my kids now yeah. is, 
I only see them half the time. So it's like yeah. all that preciousness is distilled. What's I, it like? I mean, that I, that improved me as a father. Yeah. Separation, because suddenly you realize the time with them is limited, and so you make the most of it. You know, I mean, my daughter Margot is is a singer songwriter. She recorded an album this past summer, and um, called it's called Little Miss Recorded. You can go in Bandcamp and listen to it. And she, um, she and I go to shows. You know, like I was a little punk rocker in L.A. when I was a teenager, and it turns out she's cut from the same cloth. Sorry, I'm touching the table. And so I've, we've seen bands like Swimmers, The Regrets, Car Seat Headrest, The Lemon Twigs. Um, Pass. Any of these ringing a bell for you? No. Yeah. yeah no. no. There's a, okay. <laughs> like there's you. No, I really? could stop you. I could because I got I got a 16 year old daughter who's into the coolest music around. Like Dream yeah. Wife. Have you heard of Dream Wife? Like yeah. Dream Wife. I saw the Clash when I was 14, hmm. yeah. and seeing Dream Wife when Margot was 15 was a similar experience for her. It's absolutely transporting. It's all female band. From I was England. about to say they're the second band that they're the second only band that matters. Yeah. Well, to her, they're the only band that matters, right. and they're just you know a lot of the bands she likes are <laughs> e- either all female or feminist in some way or another, yeah. and um. And on fire, not getting on the radio. And I mean, I'm, Sunflower Bean, we just saw Sunflower Bean in, in Greenpoint. See, okay. Anthony, you know you this? Know you know all this? Yeah. Sunflower Bean's a badass band. Four years ago in a little bar in yeah. uh, East Williamsburg. They're fantastic. They're fantastic. They Sunflower they Bean. Filled, they filled Warsaw in Greenpoint. I mean, the place yeah. was packed with kids. And, um, you know, that, that particular venue has a little side area where you can get a beer and pierogi, and all the parents were over there. Yeah. But, um, I like when Margot asked me, "Can we go see a band?" Like she wanted to see the band that has the song "Shark Smile." I'm blanking on, but um, she said, "Can you um, broccoli?" No, no, no. There's a, Shark Smile is a, is a is a hit. I'm I don't know why I'm blanking on this, but she'll say, "Can you go buy tickets?" I buy tickets immediately. I go online and buy them because it's it's such an awesome way for us to bond. You know, yeah. Like yeah. this is an interesting example that I found that okay, I won't. So a band that I really liked when I was in college was called Young Marble Giants, right? Yes. And they're like an influence on the XX, super minimalist, oh, female them, singer. I love them the XX. I know. I love yeah, the XX. it's like early XX, just like a bass line and a, and a woman singing and then like a very spare kind of, um, you know, spaghetti western guitar line, you know, very very minimalist. Mm-hmm. So one, one day we were driving around and, and I was playing what I think is their best song, Brand New Life, and uh, Margo's like, who's this? And I was like, um, "Is Young Marble Giants this is a band I liked in college." Anyway, there. And she's like, "Enough!" Like she was like, "Shut up!" That's enough, you know. She wanted to hear mansplaining from Dad on this. Yeah, you know? yeah, so yeah. she she starts googling it. and She says nothing else. That's the last I heard. Then her album, she puts out her album, Little Miss Recorded. Guess what? She covers "Brand New Life" by Young Marble oh, Giants. Wow, that is like the that's biggest dope. joy. Yeah, yeah, you get say, that. That's, yes, you get Definitely. that. Yes, like yeah. so. My, uh, my influence is present, if not acknowledged. Yeah, but present. And like I thought, okay, that's kind of beautiful. Even if it's subconsciously a little wink at Dad, yeah. it's it's present and it made me happy. So, um, I think that when when Margot was first born, I was sort of like. She's a newborn. We're going to play Daydream Nation by Sonic Youth. You know, like we're going to play London Calling. We're going to play the entire Miles Davis, you know, catalog. And, 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 you know, you think you can somehow brine them in all this culture and, the, you know, but maybe it worked. <laughs> she yeah. actually has a partial taste. Yeah. Partial absorption. Yeah. And it, you know, maybe some of it's genetic. I don't know. 
Toby, my my thirteen year old, has no real interest in music. He's much more challenging in a way because, like, we're going to a Knicks game on Sunday. I won't know. That was a birthday present to him. I won't know who any of the people are. I mean, yeah. I don't. I don't watch any sports. You is mentioned, he a big? Is you he mentioned a, big, a football person yeah. before, and I just kind of nodded. Is he a I don't big know Knicks who you're fan? Talking. Is he a big Knicks fan? Um, he. I mean, it's hard to be it's a big fu- Knicks yeah, fan. Yeah, it's funny. Or, 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 or it's like, I mean, yeah, exactly. It's, Dude, I did not know this. It's but eternal I, suffering. Yeah, I bought the tickets thinking, oh, wow, isn't this neat? I got tickets to a basketball game. And he was like, the Knicks suck right now. Why did you do this? We like, should have went to Brooklyn. Yeah, we he was like, this is so embarrassing. I don't want to tell my friend. I was like, what? I thought I was doing something nice, But basketball. Man. Yeah. Sports. Daddy's trying. Yeah. I may not shoot baskets with you because you know what a horror show that is but i will go to the game you know but of course for me i'm like where will we eat lunch you know like maybe for dinner we'll go to chinatown you know because his you know actually covering the food beat with my two older kids it's been been a a blast you know yeah because they come along a lot you know so even in la margo came to bavel with me which wound up being one of my best yeah. Do you find so. that they give you insights, good insights? Yeah, like, they based do. On their, yeah, yeah. Right. I mean, it's not like I make my decisions based on that, but they're just—it's just like if I went out to dinner with you guys. You know, they—it's—it's yeah. it's interesting to hear feedback from the other folks. And um, Toby, went, Toby is completely obsessed with Asian food. He only wants to eat Korean food, Chinese food, Japanese food, <sighs> Filipino food all the time. Nice. And so he has actually a pretty deep database in terms of experiences, yeah. even at thirteen. And he's always comparing, well, this isn't quite as good as Hua Yuan, and this isn't, you know, it's interesting. <laughs> I mean, when I was, I was just talking to you off air about, um, I just went to Florida with my kids, and I still write about travel quite a bit, so I'm always, like, looking out for a new take. And like, we went to the, um, uh, shit, some was, was it an Asian no, no, it was a hotel in Clearwater, oh. home of Scientology, but yeah. that's not why we were there. Oh, There's you can say that. You can try that. to tell yeah, us no, that. It's, like, uh, it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's like a marriage or whatever. <laughs> wow. But Achilles yeah, maybe is... Maybe we'll say it. Yeah, exactly. okay, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll judge you. We'll judge you quietly. Go ahead. Achilles' take on this hotel was, <laughs> it gives me the same atmospheric feeling as a muffin you get at a museum. And I was like, whoa. Wow. That's wow. Cool. That yeah. is like very... What kind of muffin? You know, like those muffins you get at museum cafes that are in the cellophane, uh-huh. and they're kind of good, but they're kind of plasticky? Like, yeah. I knew exactly what he was talking about, wow. about this hotel yeah. lobby. And I feel like yeah. half the time he just, or like the other day we were in Philadelphia, a different trip. That was like a deep thought. Uh, yeah, it blew my mind. We were in Philadelphia, and we were looking at all these monuments, and he goes, um, there was a lot of, like, war monuments, Civil War, and, you know, um, war for independence. What is that called? Revolutionary War. And Achilles goes, wow, they seem really mad at you. They just want you to always know about these wars. Like, wow. <laughs> like, that's a good way of looking at history, too. Wow. So, yeah, having Very them along insightful. has been, for me, they're a little young. I still can't take mm. them anywhere. Like, yeah. yeah. All they care about is chicken makhni from this one place on takeout mm. and dumplings. But yeah. Maybe they'll grow. Wait, so the, the, we're going to take a commercial oh, sure. break. Also, because I have to pee. I'll be right back. Okay. Exactly. Welcome back to the Fatherly Podcast. Uh, we're here with Jeff Gordonier. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, so I wanted to cover two topics before we wrap up. One, it occurred to me earlier when you were talking about when you were with Lauren, your wife, 
who this is these are her first kids yeah um you look at certain moments in a different way because you have the benefit of having done this before i'm a time traveler <laughs> but how do you balance that feeling that what's new for her is not exactly new for you well it is new for me because these are new people mm. you know like sometimes people will say to me like four kids you are a madman and they are correct but i don't <laughs> ah my jack nicholson laugh came out um but they're not four <laughs> kids in the abstract they're margo toby wesley and jasper they're these people that i know and already the twins have drastically different personalities and outlooks on the world and the whole thing so um the experience with them is new the the experience with wesley and jasper is new and the fact that they're twins that's a new experience for me Mm -hmm. um and the fact that i'm raising them with lauren is a new experience because we're just very compatible in many ways and she's a partner in crime when it comes to escapism right no so So, you're both escaping yeah we're both (laughs) escapists in 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 rehab in a way like we both you know we both like you know if if someone called us tonight like I have two extra seats at La Bernadette you want to join. We will find a way to be there. Like, we will have friends come look after the kids. We'll find, like, we'll Uber home if necessary for an exorbitant amount of money. Like, she wants to go have an adventure. And so we're very, uh, we're like kin in that way. You know, like when, when I. Was that ha- not the case before? Um, I think it would be disrespectful to get into that. But, but I would say that, like, you know, um, I have evolved into this person who who acknowledges his own uh, appetite for the escape, and and so to to have a, a Bonnie to my Clyde is 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 sort of a joy, although we spend too much. But yeah, <laughs> like yeah. when like when I had to go to all, no. There's Ma- a reason why they mm-hmm. rob yeah. banks. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe I should. There, when I had to go to Nomo, Australia, for for you know this, this book I'm working on, I, I at that point knew I was probably going to do a book on Renee, and I had to go to Nomo, Australia. And I said, "Look, I mean, I'm flying to Sydney." She's like, "No, no, I'm coming with you." Yeah. yeah okay. you know, and no, I was no, like, "We're flying to Sydney." Oh, and, and that right. little dot 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 oh, was true love. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. I love this yeah. woman. Wow. You know, how, like, long, how long were you guys together before? Um, before we you guys started had dating in the summer of 2015. Oh, and it's all so, very new. Yeah, um, mm. we got pregnant before we were married. So okay. you know, and and I mean that was self evident uh, from the from the wedding photos. So I'm not hiding <laughs> anything. If you've been on Instagram, look closely. A little bump there. Yeah, it, it, very very small, but it is present. Um, we had an interesting wedding situation because we we're both from California. We're both Californians in exile here in New York and kind of stuck uh, in a way as much as we love it, you know. Um, escapists in rehab California. Yeah, I mean, yeah. let me tell you, if you're an escapist, uh, it, having twins is, is a strange form of self-sabotage. <laughs> but like, um, we, we, uh, we decided to get married in Santa Barbara. We had to do it fairly quickly uh, because of these circumstances that were afoot. And so we decided that we would just get married in the courthouse in Santa Barbara. It's a gorgeous courthouse. You know, I have some roots in Santa Barbara. And um, there was a, there were mudslides. There was a, the fires and and then mudslides. This is this would have been January, twenty eighteen. So um, the what would normally be a ninety minute drive from L A up to Santa Barbara was suddenly six hours through the Central Valley up the Grapevine and down. So it was it was very kind of convoluted. And in fact, 
Lauren's brother Danny flew in a la Waldo Pepper, like mm-hmm. like on a biplane or something, like because the whole 101 was wiped out. Yeah, I know wow. we're not talking about parenting now, but no, um, uh, so, yeah, this is I'm like sorry. the SNL sketch yeah. that the Californians. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then we had, then we we did the grave farm, then we went through <laughs> yeah. the yeah, actually no, not ten. That's all actually Lauren and I talk about. All it's four or five. We do the four or five. Like I think we should do the 91. <laughs> no, we don't get it. Like yeah. um, you'd be. Actually, we kind of do. It's but that's a but that, turn on. That's a um. <laughs> you're telling me the the book is not just so for our listeners who aren't aware. Renee Redzepi has slash had a restaurant called Noma, which has and is uh, the world's best restaurant. Pause. Have you, are you you with? I it? mean, to, you, to be honest, I'm not even familiar with it actually. So yeah. this dude Renee, and, and I love to eat, but I'm I'm, I'm not familiar. This dude Renee, um, kind of like pioneered. Well, Jeff, you should, you wrote the book about it. He he pioneered new Nordic cuisine at this restaurant called Noma, which kind of like blew I, everyone's minds. He's a Titanic cultural figure. The thing, like <laughs> I, I I talk to people who either know all about the food scene of Rene or people who don't at all. And um, the ideal the book comes out in July is that it will appeal to to both camps. You know that the idea is that he's Bowie, he's Prince, he's yeah Steve Jobs. He's like a cultural figure of that stature. He kind and he and, and he kind of is. And he also has this crazy personal charisma where love him or hate him, it's just this, like... He's a tractor beam. Yeah, it's really intense. Uh, And you sort of join his cult. My book is sort of about my gradually joining the Noma cult or Noma Circus. So when you you started the process for the book, were you just going to write an article and it became a book? Yeah, I was writing Uh, articles about him, and then gradually I started spending my own money. Australia, I spent my own money. I just started going on these trips. (laughs) That's a lot of money, Yeah, it's a lot of money. Let me tell you. uh, Like I said, I'm I'm divorced. Uh, But (laughs) but I I, I started... it's almost like I was never a deadhead, and only in recent years have I even come to appreciate the songwriting, The Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. But now I understand why people would follow the dead everywhere, because every night was a different concert. And with Noma, every single meal is completely different than the one you had before. Yeah. Completely different. I mean, it blows up the whole menu and creates a new one. So you become kind of addicted to it, like seeing what the next surprise will be. But, you know, in terms of parenting, let me yeah. just point out, I think people forget that Renee has three daughters, and that what could arguably be the most pivotal phase in his in his professional arc, the the real peak, the the Bowie between 1972 and 1977, or Dylan between 1965 and 1968 or something, was what I cover in the book. During which time he had three little girls. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of times when we're talking about like did did having kids wreck your career, mm-hmm. it's very interesting to see how many <clears throat> figures in the culture did their best work during those years yeah. when when they first had little kids and maybe it's out of desperation <laughs> maybe it's because your back is against the wall you have to make money you have to create you know i don't know but i think it adds depth too to your understanding I, well, I of will, the world. yeah i will say that like when i had kids regardless of what a suboptimal partner i was um it opened up a depth of feeling that I never knew I had. Like, I never mm. knew I could love another creature as much as I loved my kids. And it's hard to, like, feel that intensely and then not have that bleed out in other ways in terms of, like, your creative output, you know? Like, you feel, first of all, you are literally creative. Like, you have created a spawn. And that does bleed over into other stuff. Plus, you mm. have that, oh, fuck, I got to do something now yeah, mentality, yeah. which really galvanizes you. I wonder if it's the same for Renee. But I wanted to ask mm. you, 
um, you were saying that when you first fell under the sway of this mm -hmm. creature, this magical Svengali, <laughs> Svengali, yes, yes, um, wizard. He's a, like a wizard. He is a wizard. He has a cape. Um, Does he? Does he have no. a? Good... Oh, be, okay. He should. It'd be fun, actually. Like a prog. I just rock. do want to underline that he's like a. He is a. He's a personally attractive person. Like it's really hard not to just want to spend yeah. more time with him. Mm -hmm. um, but you were in flux in your personal life. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, when Renee first reached out to me about meeting, this would have been almost exactly five years ago now, I had just moved out of the house, you know. So I think I was very vulnerable and um, in a very, very dark place, like very full of guilt and uh, res regret. And um, there's just a weird coincidence. Like I'd I checked the email, like he had, he had, we had met in February 2014 for coffee in the village, you know. And I think he had uh, reached out to me because of I had slagged on the New Nordic movement in something I wrote in the New York Times. I think he sort of like maybe wanted to address that, but then wanted to address the idea of our going to Mexico together. I mean, I, I get really down, you know. Yeah. Like you wrote a piece for Medium about, I mean, I, I really related to that. And um, I get extremely fixated on past mistakes. And mm -hmm. like there's a, in the book, I talk about this walking trance I ended up in where I would go on these long walks, like four hours of walking up in Westchester County where I lived, just going on these trails so fervently that I would know every little pile of pebbles and every place there was a fallen log, you know, and just working it, working it, working over all my fuck ups. Yeah. In for, a, in a guilt for years, okay, like for months and years. Do, do you feel like that exacerbated? No, your, or did, did I don't think help it helped. It? I don't okay. think it helped. And the, and and so the contrast to meeting Rene Redzepi was a striking one because he is all about moving forward. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He doesn't even like to talk about the past, as you've seen when you've encountered him. He's, when I met him, he wanted he was starting to talk about closing the original Noma, blowing it up opening a new one, going to Australia, going to Japan, going to Mexico, doing pop-ups, so let's move this person over to this department. I was like kind of mesmerized and intoxicated by that forward-moving energy. And, um, all, you know, just his brilliance, too, and his kindness. He was very kind to me. Yeah. Um, and um, I think that it, it, it served in some ways as a tonic. Like there was something medicinal about that, that uh, forward propulsion. To be in touch with that, it kind of snapped me out of the trance. Yeah, that's an amazing. Mm. I mean, I I feel like you look at the you read the book, and I wonder how many times this is true, but it's kind of like a lifesaver. Like yeah. for you, it's a lifesaver. And they came in, and and there's all these like different valences of achievement that, for instance, Rene Redzepi has. Great restaurant, visionary, but also someone who really helped you out, and you know, in your life. Yeah, like another accolade of his yeah and and how and many many people you know yeah. i think that his his temper at least in years past is no secret but at the same time you know everywhere i've traveled around the world i meet um chefs whose lives have been touched by him like personally he's re he's yeah. encouraged them he's helped them he's helped them get jobs um uh he's almost like a godfather in that regard so um I think the. I mean, it's months before the book comes out, but I think people will see a, a human portrait of the guy. He's not. I, don't, I tried to uh, minimize hero worship. It's not supposed to be just endless genuflecting at yeah. all. It's it's a it's a portrait of of uh, a fully human individual who happens to be rampantly creative and driven. Yeah. Um, and his 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 uh, his weird sidekick me 
is <laughs> <laughs> um, Sancho Panza, is Nick Carraway. Actually, the Ga- Great Gatsby sort of ended up forming kind of a model for it because I was trying to figure out what I told you. Part of it was like that I joined the cult or I joined yeah. the circus, but also I started to think about Nick Carraway and the Great Gatsby and how transfixed he is by Gatsby. Yeah. Um, yeah. Although ultimately, hopefully, Renee's doesn't end up. There's no accident at the end of yeah. Hungry, no. <laughs> Uh, at least not in my life, although, you know, his life was uh, vastly disrupted by his own creativity in a way, like creating the new Noma, doing all the pop-ups at the time when his father was dying of cancer was was a lot, a heavy burden to take on emotionally. Yeah. And um, Well, I think it's interesting so. that you had talked about you being an escapist. Escaping into the future is also a a method of escape, you know, like always That's, moving yeah. forward is also... It depends on the motivation, but that's not always... Yeah, I'm not saying yeah. escapism is the right route. I just know that it, it has worked for me. I mean, me- meeting... If you are a, if, if, if you are a diehard escapist, meeting someone like Rene Redzepi is like being an alcoholic and meeting an extremely telepathic bartender right. who knows exactly what you want to drink. And you keep saying, yeah. no, 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 I'm, I'm not drinking it. Oh, <sighs> right. You made the martini with what? Like, <laughs> yeah, and oh, probably, no, gives, and probably gives you two? the drink that you actually need at that moment. <laughs> exactly. Too. Yeah. Like yeah. clairvoyance, you know? Right. Well, I know you like the tuxedo number two, but what if I were to vary it just a smidgen? No. He's got so, your number. Yeah. Can, can I just say, um, I, in in doing a little bit of research before our conversation, and everything like that, I went back and I read a uh, article of yours oh, for uh, Spin Magazine, and this I remember, I, yeah, yeah. Well, I I used How to be. How did you I was find that? I clicked on some stuff. The way back machine. But the thing is, the thing is, the funny thing is, I read that. I read that article like back then. What article? It's about one hit wonders. Yeah, it's about I love one hit wonders. Right, right, right. Exactly. Which was. Uh, I mean, I guess they were one-hit wonders, but they were, a lot of them were, like, certified, um, or, you know, certified sort of, like, geniuses. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, people like Lauryn Hill. Yeah, and, I, like, and, I love... And Elvis Costello. I and, love like, that. No, well, Elvis Costello is I mean, the opposite. He's not, yeah. He just, he just but, puts out too many albums. My right. thing was, like, I love that the Cowboy Junkies put out the Trinity Session, and it's perfect. Lauryn yeah. Hill puts out the Miseducation, and it's perfect. The Laws, this band from Liverpool, one album, and that's at New- Neutral Milk Hotel. Yes, yeah. Like, one perfect album, and the rest is essentially yeah. negligible. I love, I love how you said, like, <laughs> even, even, even the strokes, like, did we really need those last two albums? I mean, at that point, <laughs> at, at that, that point. <laughs> I'm assuming you meant after... Uh, is this it? After, yeah. well, oh, no, after, I was going to say after the second one, personally, I, oh. I think. Uh, I think this is it, and then Room on Fire, and oh, then yeah. after that, it's like... Um, wow, yeah, after wow. that's a little. <laughs> yeah, it's but, like Oasis. We don't really need anything after no, What's the Story Morning Glory. Certainly not. Just certainly stop. Not. Yeah, yeah, please. There's no, something to be no, said for stop. stopping. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, but <laughs> I like watching <laughs> yeah. a slow decline. <laughs> you know, I just like watching, like, it's going to come for us all. Yeah. It's like kind of like curative to see, oh, you also age and die as a band. Yeah, but I mean, I think, but I, I don't know. It's just like, it, I think even back then it resonated with me and it kind of resonates with me even more now being in a situation where I am constantly having to like, I mean, we were talking before about, um, you know, how having kids, I think, focuses your creation because it has to. You have to become more focused on what you're doing. Yeah. And so like when you're in the process of like then having to create and I think about these artists, like they, they had to create if maybe for for people like Lauren Hill, like 
you know, they were too focused on, they were too focused on the past after making this seminal record. Mm. And like, so it was constantly like, mm. how do I beat this thing? How do I beat this yeah. thing? Which is like, you not actually thinking about not moving forward, not thinking, you know, not having forward thinking in your mind, a pattern of that, but actually a pattern of the past. And, and how, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Which to some extent is like, you know, for all of his like in sheer insanity, like Kanye West is still like making, to me, great music. He's still producing. Yeah, he's still yeah. Gr making great music because yeah. even though he is a certifiably insane person, he still is a forward-thinking artist. You know yeah, what I mean? That's true. Yeah. Well, they can coexist. I mean, the thing, if if I didn't have kids, like sometimes it's usually the two people say, don't don't kids uh, kind of hinder your career or everything. You know, if I if I didn't have kids, would I be Colson Whitehead or Michael yeah. Chabin? Mm. No, I just yeah. I just be going on Facebook more. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I just be lazy, drifting around, going to another fancy lunch. I mean, I don't think I would become uh, like more creative. You wouldn't fill that time with like pure quality expression of mystical. I wish um, only artistic output of delusional vanity would 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 make me say something like that. Like the fact is, I I'm I'm. Working harder because of the kids. I feel I, like I'm prone you know, to, to total lethargy otherwise. I was uh, <laughs> interviewing um, Mark Vonnegut, who's Kurt Vonnegut's son. Mm. And, like, you know, what, Kurt, what does he do? Uh, Mark is a pediatrician. Okay. Um, and he wrote two memoirs, which are really good. Um, mm. But he was talking about his dad, was, you know, his Kurt Vonnegut fucking hustled all the time because he had kids to raise. And, yeah. like, he, he could not just faff about. He made board games he, he yeah. did um have one amazing day at sports illustrated where he was trying to get a full-time job and he finally landed a full-time job as a writer there and they uh, staff writer and they asked him to write a story about a racehorse who had jumped over the paddock and ex escaped and he sat at his typewriter all day and finally the only thing he could think to write was the horse jumped over the fucking fence. <laughs> and then he walked out and he never worked there again. So there's a limit to it. But yeah, necessity. That sounds poetic. What they to always me. say necessity is the mother of invention and yeah. also a hard work ethic. Anyway. It makes yeah. sense that Kurt Vonnegut is one of those writers who is always, you know, uh, ranting against semicolons and mm -hmm. colons and M dashes and things. All those things I love. I love punctuation like yeah. that. But like you think that he was probably just so desperate to make money that with the kids and everything, he just like put a period there yeah. and move, move on. Well, you know, it, it, it <laughs> makes me think of like uh, it makes me think of pretty much every uh, independent uh, film director. Mm. Like you know, they they always. They make these incredible, like, seminal movies, independent movies, uh, th because based on the constraints, based on all right. the, like, all the boundaries that they have to make something. And then they hit it big, they get a big budget, and their next movie is shit. <laughs> you know? yeah. So often. Yeah. Well, yeah, so yeah, often. Yeah. I think uh, put a period in there and move on is a good way to end this podcast. Jeff, thank you so much for yeah, joining thank us. You, man. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. This episode was produced by me and Anthony Roman, recorded by Jesse Schultz, executive produced by Andrew Berman. If you like the podcast, rate it, review it. If you don't like it, don't rate it, don't review it. Stay with your miserable self. And talk to you next week.